Last year, during our pastoral staff retreat, um, one of our goals was to discuss about metrics uh, in determining a healthy church. You know, it's common uh, for churches uh, to use the size of the worship service as a metric. Um, another uh, common uh, determination is using the size of the budget as well as the number of ministries that the church might be uh, involved. You know, these uh, are, are factors. I don't think the, they're necessarily the, the best um, uh, metrics to use to determine a church is uh, uh, healthy or not. Because having a large crowd in the worship service, uh, you know, that does not necessarily mean that the church is healthy or, or there's a, a, a big budget doing a lot of things and uh, not necessarily also. And, and then thirdly, to, if there's many ministries um, ministering to different kinds of people, again, um, a church still can be unhealthy. Well, we uh, spent some time discussing and uh, we did come up with some conclusions. I'd like to share uh, some of them uh, with you. One question we want to ask ourselves is, well, how many people have really been converted this year? Have come to know the Lord? How many, how many of the members are really actively serving in the church? Uh, how, many, how many people really are actively engaging in sharing the gospel? How, how many reproducible disciples do we see that's there? So, you know, metrics are just important to measure to where we are and where we want to go. The question that's at hand today is what metric can we use to measure our maturity. Well, as we look at our passage this morning in James chapter 3, 1 to 12, we'll find a great measure to maturity. It might surprise you what that metric might be, but let me just give you a, a glimpse as what my thesis will be. To, uh, if you look at chapter 3, verse 2, it reads, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. What well, is simply stating here that if a person can control his tongue in what he says, then he is a perfect or really a mature man. I'm going to further develop. Uh, uh, this whole uh, thesis uh, in the rest of my uh, sermon. I'm also going to uh, share with you from this passage why the tongue is a great measure of our maturity. Well, I divided our, uh, my message into uh, three parts. The first, uh, part, the first uh, point is that the, the tongue is the means by which teachers will be judged. And secondly, the tongue is a great measure of maturity. And thirdly, the reasons why the tongue is a great measure of maturity. 
So let's let's get started uh, with the first point. The, the tongue is the means by which teachers will be judged. Let's look at verse 1 of James chapter 3. And it reads, Not many of you should become teachers, my brethren, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Here we see James is addressing to Christians. He called them... Uh, my brothers. And it appears that a lot, a lot of the new believers, their desires uh, to teach God's word, which was a highly respected uh, position. And sometimes we might uh, want to uh, be in this position ourselves so that uh, we can be recognized. Well, you know, that, that might not necessarily be a good motive for doing that. We see here that James warns these believers not to be eager to be a teacher because uh, they will be judged more strict. See, teachers are in position to influence others tremendously. Therefore, they will be accountable to a higher standard of judgment from God. Teachers can influence others in a positive way, or they could also influence in a negative way. See, one in authority can misdirect and misguide followers if they're not careful in what they teach. James discourages people to take on this important position if they're not called or they're not gifted in this area. We need to take seriously this vital role. There are believers that might be called or have that gift of teaching. Well, we need to step up and utilize those gifts that God has given to us. Because uh, when, when, when you prepare well and teach God's Word accurately and apply it reverently, well, that, that, that is done well. When they teach, they need to understand there's some responsibilities that those that teach will be judged in a greater strictness. As we look at this passage uh, in James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, it basically talks about the tongue. And here, when we talk about the teachers, they, they use their tongue to communicate God's truth. And we're not careful again. Uh, we can misuse our tongue and misguide our students. How it is used will be the basis for their judgment. God will hold them accountable. See, teachers are not only the ones who are tempted to misuse their tongue. Matter of fact, everyone must admit that uh, we all stumbled in many ways. And in verse 2, James expounds that tongue is a great measure of maturity. Let's take a look in verse 2. And he said, it says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Here James uh, uses the first person plural, the word we, 
He includes himself, stating that for, for we all stumble in many ways. He, he, he wasn't just pointing finger at other people, but he, he humbled himself, including himself, acknowledging that he, he also stumbled at times. And the misuse of the tongue is one of the most frequent ways that we stumble. And if you, if you look at the second part of verse 2, it is a conditional statement. You know, whenever you see the word if, it's a conditional statement. We should ask two questions. What is the condition and what is the conclusion? Well, what is the condition? It says if, if any one does not stumble in what he says. He's basically he's saying that um, if, if one can control his tongue, not stumble others in what he has to say, then we come to conclusion. So that's the condition. And the conclusion is that he is a perfect man. Or, or this word perfect really means mature, complete. In other words, if a person can control his tongue and not stumble in what he says, then he is a mature man. And, and not only that, he goes on to, to say, not only are you a mature man, he says that, that um, he's able to bridle his whole body. If we can control our tongue, he can control his whole body. Well, that is really powerful. And that's why the tongue is a great measure of maturity. Well, the rest of the passage uh, from verses 3 to 12, it gives three reasons as to why the tongue is a good measure of maturity. Let's take a look uh, in verses 3 to 6, uh, which uh, states the very first reason is because the tongue is so very powerful. Verse 3, it says, If we put bits in, his, in the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ship also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So here, the first reason to why the tongue is such a great measure of maturity is because the tongue is so powerful. Although it's a small part of the body, it has tremendous amount of influence. James, Yvonne, he, James brings up two illustrations to make this point. We see that it says the tongue display power as it does good for others. James uses a, a, a bit in the mouth of the horse and the rudder of the ship to compare it to the tongue of the body. So they illustrate uh, how a very small part of the whole has tremendous amount of influence to the whole. So the rider can control and direct the horse by using the bits. 
And in the same way, the captain steers a whole big ship by uh, using that small rudder. You know, one of the largest ships in the world is the U.S. aircraft carrier USS Eisenheimer. It weighs over 91,000 tons. It's nearly 1,100 feet in length. That's almost four football fields. Can you imagine? That's just humongous. It has a nuclear power of 280,000 horsepower engine, and it holds 6,010 crew members. And also, it can hold 100 aircraft Oh, that, that, that's ridiculous how big that ship is. It's like a floating city. And yet, it is steered by a rudder, which is only a tiny size in comparison to the size of the ship. Something so significantly small can have tremendous influence over the ship. See, these small objects, when they are used properly, have great power to to do good for others. We see in verse uh, 5, first part of verse 5, it says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. See, the tongue is powerful, so very powerful. It can make enormous impact. And we, we can see how it can make a positive impact in doing good to others. During these last couple of days, it's been a kind of rough days for me. been very busy, but uh, I had to deal with a, a lot of uh, problems. It was pretty draining. I was tired, and I was just uh, very frustrated. So when I had a chance to talk to uh, a, brother, a Christian brother yesterday to, who encouraged me with some very kind words. And, and I, I, I was just energized and, and, and renewed uh, uh, because of what he had to say. And I thank God for that. And it reminds me of a verse uh, in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, where it says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. In a setting of silver. You know, with the right words, it can inspire us. It can strengthen us. It can convict us. It can challenge us. It can exhort us. It can comfort us. It can soothe us. The tongue can be a powerful, positive influence on others. We see in the latter part of verse 5, James uses another illustration to show the power of the tongue. It it not only shows the power to do good to others, but we see here in this illustration that it shows power to destroy others. Let's take a look at the last part of verse 5 and 6. It says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among the members, our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course 
of life and set on fire by hell. James described the tongue like a destructive fire with a, just a small spark. It can set the whole forest ablaze. And within a short period of time, the fire can destroy a whole forest, consuming and devouring all that lies in its path. Thousands of acres can be wiped out. Its ferocious flame moves quickly and does tremendous damage in the lives of others. And the tongue is just as destructive here in, in comparing it to the fire. We have all experienced the effect of harsh words, false rumors that have been spread, damaging accusations, an embarrassing statement, and a sharp and cutting remarks. Marriages have been ruined. Friendship have been broken. Reputations have been torn apart. And even wars have been fought from it. A harsh word does great damage as it penetrates deep into the depth of our mind as well as in our hearts. And it stays there for a long time and sometimes stays there for the rest of our lives. There seems to be a, a recording in our mind that plays back that haunting phrase that we heard from the other person. And every time these words resurface in our mind, it causes our blood pressure to go up and, 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 and it, it causes us to be so very angry. I know the various people, whether siblings, close friends, that are not really talking to each other for years because of destructive words that has been exchanged between them. For the tongue is so powerful. It has great influence on the lives of others. In this verse, it says also that the tongue can stain the whole body. Our entire course of life is affected. I like uh, how the message translation uh, write and record verses 5 and 6. I'd like to read that to you. And it says, it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do it. And by your speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Again, we see here the source of these wicked tongue is, is hell. Or in other words, a saint is the one that stirs up our, our inner being that ignites that fiery tongue, which pours out degrading words, heart-wrenching criticism, nasty name-calling, 
damaging gossip. There was a, a man that uh, loves to gossip, spreading rumors around. The pastors try to convince him how destructive these, these false rumors can be. And on one windy day, the, the minister went to visit him. To, he says, well, well come, come with me over to the barn where you are, and I want to show you something. See, see that pastor purchased a feathered uh, pillow. He said to the man, open the pillow and let the feather fly out. And when the man has done so, the preacher then says, hey, now, go pick up all the feathers. Well, the point was well made. The man could do, the man no, the man could no more take back all of his vile words than he could retrieve all those scattered feathers. We see here the first reason why the tongue is a great measure of maturity is because the tongue is so powerful. If we can control his, his tongue, it can have great influence for others. Well, second reason why the tongue is uh, such a great measure of maturity is because the tongue is naturally untamable. And we see this in verses 7 and 8. It says, For every kind of beasts and birds of reptiles of sea creatures can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You know, when my kids were uh, young, I loved to take them to the circus. Actually, I'm a kid at, at heart also. I enjoy watching the acrobatic athlete doing their tumbling as well as the free spirit trapeze as they swing in the air. But I'm most excited seeing the big wild animal doing tricks, like, like, like the tiger jumping through fiery hoops. And, 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 and when the trainer put his head in, in, in the mouth of the lion, I go, oh, wow. Or, or, or if, if a trainer asks the lion to lift up his leg and then he, he lies underneath it, and, and I, I just said to myself, well, how do they do that? That is, that is just uh, incredible. How can they go about taming such a big, wild, fierce beast? Well, the Bible says here in this verse, is that every kind of beast can be tamed, but no human can tame the tongue. If, any, if someone can tame the tongue, it is probably a greater feat than taming a lion. That is why the tongue is a great measure of maturity. Although human cannot tame the tongue, God can tame our tongue. When I was a youngster, um, I was a very insecure individual. In order to gain more self-esteem, 
I, I used my hot temper and my loose tongue to control other people. This was uh, for me to demonstrate my superiority over other people. But in reality, it displayed my insecurity. I used my loose tongue to degrade other people and put them in an embarrassing position. And because of my bad behavior, people distant from me. But after I placed my trust in Jesus Christ, I turned my bad habit over to him. And through time, he helped me to change me from the inside out. God showed his power and his authority by taming my tongue. However, I do admit periodically that loose tongue lifts its ugly head once in a while. But God has changed me so very much through the years. As we look at verse 8, it states that no human being can tame the tongue. It has two other really bad description of the tongue. It says, it is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. This word restless gives us an understanding of uneasy, unstable, always roaming about. The tongue is restless, looking to do some evil. It's difficult to hold the tongue down. Another painful and penetrating explanation of the tongue is that it's full of deadly poison. You know, poison works slowly, secretly, and then it kills. I'm sure you have experienced someone injecting some poison into a conversation, hoping that it will spread and it will destroy the person that he is targeting. Well, second reason why the tongue is a great measure of maturity is because it is naturally untamable. No one can tame the tongue without God's help. Those that can control their tongue are an indication that God is working inside of that person. And that person is mature. We've seen the first two reasons why the tongue is such a great measure of maturity. First, because the tongue is so very powerful. It can have great influence over others. And, and secondly, because the tongue is naturally untamable. No human being can tame the tongue, but only God can tame the tongue. Well, we arrive at the third reason why the tongue is a great measure of maturity. It's because the tongue shows the condition of our hearts. Well, let's read verses 9 to 12. It says, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring 
pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. In this final portion of this passage, it shows that uh, there is inconsistency from the tongue. On the one hand, we see that uh, the tongue can bless our Lord. We as human beings are created to give glory to the Lord and to enjoy Him forever. Therefore, praising God is the highest and the best use of our tongue. Yet on the other hand, out of that same mouth, we see that we witness believers cursing others who are made in the likeness of God. This misuse of the tongue is the lowest form of using the tongue to attack God's representatives. Witnessing these two extreme usage of the tongue for good on the one hand and then also for evil on the other hand just reinforces the untamable nature of our speech. With Jesus, um, in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 to 45, addressed this. Let me read this to you. It says, For no good tree bear bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of our hearts, his mouth speaks. Jesus is saying that you know, we're like trees, fruit trees also. We produce either good fruit or bad fruit. And we see that each tree is known by its fruit. Because we know that an apple tree will produce apple, not oranges. And a good person will produce good fruit, not evil. Just as a tree produces fruit in keeping with its own nature within, so do people. The fruit of our heart can be seen through our speech. See, our words reveal what is really in our hearts. The mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. And the hidden things of the heart are revealed through our visible action as well as through our audible words. What comes out of our lips Depends on what is inside of our hearts. The, the problem is not necessarily the, the, the tongue, but the problem is really the heart. Our tongue 
is the best indicator of the state of one's heart. You know, two months ago, uh, Elliot uh, started a new hobby of gardening. She planted some uh, long beans, some squash, some zucchini, uh, cucumbers, sweet potato leaves, and also tomatoes. She consulted with other members that uh, enjoy gardening. She looked up YouTubes and to learn how best to plant and how to grow all these uh, vegetables. And every morning, once she gets up, one of the first things that she does is she goes outside and water her vegetable garden. And also she takes a picture of where it is. And it's been amazing just during these two short months, just how fast things, these plants grew. She got very excited uh, when she saw the various flowers blooming, which indicates that fruit is coming. And this week, uh, we had our first harvest of long beans, and it was fresh and was delicious. And we notice all these different vegetables that bear fruits, that, that the tomato plant produces tomato, and long bean plant produces long beans. But we do not see any tomato plant producing long beans. That, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, likewise, James is saying the same thing in verse 12 of chapter 3. He uses a rhetorical question. He says, can a fig tree, my brother, be olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Absolutely not. It's rhetorical. Of course, that's, that's ridiculous. He uses another illustration to sort of hammer home this, this point by claiming a fresh, a, a, a spring cannot bring forth both fresh water and salt water at the same time. The bottom line that James is saying here is that the tongue is inconsistent. And the only way that can change is if God steps in and change our tongue. As you remember back uh, in verse 2, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect or mature man. The tongue shows the condition of our hearts. Our tongue is a great measure of maturity. And as we yield ourselves to the Lord, God can change our hearts. It is when our hearts are changed, then it will affect our speech. But the first step is to place our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Most of us do not have good control of our tongue. And no matter how hard we might try, it will not result in much change because our natural nature is to sin. We're selfish people, and we place ourselves above others. And the only way 
for us to change is for us to be a child of God as we place our faith in Jesus Christ. May we acknowledge that we are sinners and that we cannot save ourselves. Jesus came to pay the penalty of our sins by dying on the cross and, and, and being risen on the third day, showing that God has accepted what Jesus has done on our behalf. And by faith, we put our trust in him, and we will be saved. And it could start a brand new journey in our life. We, we can ask God to come and do some reconstruction inside of our hearts. And as our hearts change, our speech will change also. You know, I'll, as I explained earlier, I had a loose tongue during my younger years and it got me into a lot of trouble. It wasn't until I placed my trust in Christ when I was a teenager that Christ started changing my heart. I found my security in Jesus Christ. And I did not need to use my tongue to degrade others so that I could elevate myself and to be secure. That was just wrong, as is stated in the book of James. My loose tongue did not change overnight, but gradually, in those next couple of years, I know, noticed a change in my attitude toward other people. Instead of focusing on myself, I value others. Instead of Asking others to serve me, I want to serve others. And as my heart changed, my tongue also changed. See, the, the tongue shows the condition of our hearts. And we need the Lord to tame our tongue so that we can use it to build up one another by encouraging one another, by affirming one another, by praying for one another by supporting one another. And may we reflect Christ in us, showing others that God is working inside of us, inside of our hearts, changing us inside out. You know, God specializes in breaking our bad habits, particularly of our untamed tongue. Our tongue is so very powerful that it can impact others significantly, whether for good or for bad. And although man cannot tame his tongue, God can control his tongue by changing his heart. Now what comes out of the mouth is a clear indication of what is happening inside of the person, particularly in his heart. Therefore, the tongue is a great measure of maturity. How is your tongue? And may we show others what God is doing inside of our lives. And may we use our tongue to praise God and to honor men. Well, let us pray. Lord, um, we thank you for our tongue.
but yet uh, it uh, can do great things to influence others or it can do great damage. In many times it is um, not very tame. It's turned loose and it's destroyed a lot of people. And although we might not be able to tame it, we know that you can, Lord. We ask that you would do so. Because uh, we understand our tongue is just a reflection of what's going on inside of our hearts. And we need need to solve what is inside. We need you to come in and do some reconstruction. That we need to surrender our lives to you, Lord. Help us to be a good reflection of you by our speech. Because that reflects what is going on inside of us. So we commit ourselves to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.